Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Welcome to the first episode of the Nickish Podcast of the year 2022. I'm your host for today, Nafi, and here I am with my co-host, Mo. How you doing, brother? Uh, I'm doing all right. It's uh, nice to hear this for a change, I'm sure, for all of our listeners, for you to open this show with your uh, graciousness. So, you know, <laughs> we're, we're talking about, uh, we're, we're going on a different path here. Usually it's consistent with me opening the show, but... That that's really the theme of this episode, right? Inconsistency, is that that's that's what we're talking about today, as far as the New York Knicks go. I mean, we're switching it up, you know, similar to how like Fournier is just like have been has been mid throughout the whole season, and then suddenly he plays against Boston and he just looks like an all star. You know, we wanted to switch it up just like Fournier did. You know what I mean? So like, you know, we're mm-hmm. coming at you with uh, Mo as our as the first voice you hear. Now, boom, you hear my voice, the 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 dulcet tones. Of one Nafi here, but nah, I mean, yeah, man, I mean, I wish we had uh, done this episode or, you know, linked up after RJ's crazy game winner. Yeah. The, the hype for that and just, bro, it was beautiful, to be honest with you. I know he wasn't having a good shooting night, but he really went, was like a what, one, 1. 1.5 seconds left. RJ, you know, he called glass. I'm going to pretend like he called glass, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, And we took that victory and then... Logic would dictate that Boston was going to come out of the next game. It looked to like, you know, squash or like avenge their embarrassing loss because they like what gave up like a 25 point lead. Mm-hmm. And we ended up losing by like 24th. And I'll chalk that up to us not having like, you know, the French Michael Jordan in the building that day. Or he might have been in the building. He's wearing whatever, you know, street clothes he'd be wearing. Um, pretty sure half that's half the reason he signed with us because trying to get into that New York fashion scene. So. Good for you, Evan, you know. Um, but yeah, bro, what do you take away from last night's uh, debacle, if you will? We'll get into it in just a sec, but since you mentioned that Boston game, I, I, I want to... This is our chance, man. We don't get many chances to talk about a Knicks winning a game off a buzzer-beating shot. Oh, Last right, time we, right. we saw that was J.R. Smith doing it against Phoenix back in 2012, bro. That was like a decade ago, and... Correct me if I'm wrong, but he did it twice in a week that week. You remember that? I'm pretty sure it was against Charlotte, Bobcats, and, and, and the, the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns that season. I'm pretty sure. And, you know, this is all purely out of memory recollection. I, I didn't look it up. But I, I believe Melo was out that week or that month or something. JR just picked it up and played at an all-star level and hit back-to-back buzzer beaters. But in any, in any case, we waited about 10 years for a moment like that. And, you know, in a game where the Knicks were down 25 points, and I'm sure a lot of people turned off the TV when they saw the Knicks were down and just figured it's the third quarter, it's going to keep going. And, you know, lo and behold, uh, you know, Evan Curry came out to play, and he uh, was shooting three after three after three at MSG, and uh, mm-hmm. RJ hit that game-winning buzzer beater. So that was awesome, bro. That's That's a moment that I'll never forget. It's a moment that we're going to talk about for years to come because it's just so – so rare. I've only seen it fucking a couple of times in my whole life. A Knicks game ending in a game-winning buzzer beater by the Knicks. I could count yeah. many times when that happened to us, but, you know, for us to win a game, that that was special. 
I thought it was funny though, like one of the comments on our Instagram page, follow us by the way, for those folks that haven't, you know, had the pleasure of hitting that follow button, you know, we got some good stuff coming, but at one Nick of the comments show. we saw, at yeah, show. exactly, yep, yep, on all social media platforms, but uh, one of the comments was like, it's such a Nick's thing for us to like, uh, be down by so many and then like win on a buzzer beater, and then like we were just like, that is literally not the most Nick's thing, the most Nick's thing is just like to have a fake comeback in the fourth quarter and then ended up losing by 10 anyway, yep. uh, but that was definitely not the case you know we came back down 25 and shout out to stat muse funny twitter account mostly funny sometimes they'd be a little corny um but there was like a tweet where it's just like the celtics and the lakers are the only teams this season to you know have a 25 point lead and mm. then lose it completely <laughs> so you know fuck boston you know what i mean <laughs> so with that being said yeah i mean that was a very non-knicks kind of ending we don't have feel good moments and you saw just the jubilation just that that shit was crazy bro the the reaction i was you, you watched that video a hundred times over i've probably seen it 800 times over since since that Same. uh that game you know what i mean mm-hmm. and I, you try everybody tries to pick out who they are a lot of i saw a lot of knicks fans say oh i'm a, my reaction was just like mitch nah bro i was iq that man he sprinted to <laughs> f- flushing queens bro you saw that it was yeah. like he hit the game winner and he was just like <laughs> And then what happened is after the game, he put out a tweet saying Rowan Alexander Barrett Jr. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he ran to the locker room to, to get his tweet off. I respected IQ. You know what I mean? That was minutes. That was minutes after the Within game. Minutes. Man ran straight to his phone. Didn't call his mom, dad. Now he went straight to Twitter to <laughs> give the shout out to RJ. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I wanted to talk about yesterday's uh, bullshit game. But yeah. you know what? You're right. You're right. I'm. I'm a little. I'm a little new to this hosting thing. So we start with the positivity, then we move into the negativity. So any more thoughts and feelings about just that fever dream of a of a game? Because to be honest with you, I also want to give some credit to Evan. Like we've been shitting on him a lot. I was talking about like you know benching him, but yeah, like you said, he looked like Evan Curry out there. Um, this man, he had no conscience. I don't know what happened in the Boston locker room last season for him to just come out and just go out there and try to cook them every time, but. You know, I just hope, you know, that it continues if we see Boston in the playoffs because we're not going to see them for the rest of the season. So Evan has to now at least use some, like, imaginative thinking to, to pretend like every other opponent on our schedule is, you know, the Boston Celtics because otherwise he's been mid the season. So pretty much, just wanted to touch on his performance in that game. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, nah, shout out to Evan. He's the reason why we won the game. I know RJ gets the final credit because he hit the right, buzzer right. beater, but RJ would not be in that position had – Evan not scored however many points he scored in that you know third and fourth quarter period. I mean, dude ended with a career high forty one points and dropped ten three pointers. Like that's yeah. uh, and all of them under pressure. Not that not one of those at the end were easy shots, but he he got him a couple off a crossover, a couple off a dribble. You would never see Reggie Bullock pulling up with those three point shots, but you know Evan did, and that's the kind of player that we were hoping for. He doesn't need to drop you know. 41 points game in game out but he should be averaging at least 16 17 points consistently every game which he hasn't been doing but granted it's only been a couple of months but you know that's not to excuse him from from a you know lack of consistency even in the indiana game he went what scoreless in that game yeah and, and then he, he got back in the fourth, fourth quarter yeah, 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 yeah so you know for him to come back the next game and put on a performance like that it's awesome and uh he has some contusion on his thigh or whatever so I didn't play last night against Boston. So we hope for a speedy recovery because I'm sure they could have used him last night. No, Boston. I mean, I, I, that's what I mean. I said it at the top. I chalk it up to not, us not having the French Michael Jordan is why we mm-hmm. lost. You know what I mean? Because at a minimum, he would have given us like 20, 25 points. You know what I mean? So we lost by what, 24? 
Like that was the most 1990s ass like score we could ever have. 75 points we had last night, bro. Six <laughs> points off the bench, and a lot of that could be attributed to just like the short rotation and like m- missing guys for injury and COVID protocols. And you know, IQ got the start, uh, Burke's starting, so a lot of our firepower that we usually have on the bench wasn't there. But yeah, I mean, uh, the offense, you know. People were talking about just Julius's, you know, lack of effort. I want to talk about yesterday's game, but more so, I want to hit on something that happened after the uh, the good Boston game. And obviously, mm-hmm. I'm 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 alluding to Julius's comments. Um, I want to throw it back to you. We haven't had a t- t- chance to touch on this, at least on the our small little platform here. But what's your thoughts on just Julius's comments after after the game, where he just said, you know, I gave the thumbs up as a way to say shut the fuck up to the crowd and then his subsequent apology like a day after like what are you making of that whole situation yeah well it was actually a thumbs down and that was only a couple oh, yeah, of minutes yeah, yeah. it was only a couple of minutes after the fans started booing cuz the Knicks fell to 25 you know down 25 against Boston at home and it looked like we were you know pacing ourselves for another loss at home the Knicks just haven't been good at MSG for some reason this season and him putting a thumbs down to you know to his own fans fuck it do it you know what I mean? Like, if that's what you need to do to perform and get us wins, that's what we want. Curse us out. Say, fuck you to all of us every game, game in, game out. I don't care. You don't have to sign autographs. You don't have to do anything. As long as you keep getting us wins, that's what we want. I applaud yeah. Julius Randle for having, for needing to do that to get himself in the mindset that he needed to bring out the energy. Because the games that he's not doing it, he's not bringing out the energy. And we saw that last night. Um, exactly, Against, against Boston, his... He wasn't fixated on what the refs were saying. He was fixated on what the fans were saying, and that got him to double down and fucking drop, you know, twenty plus points against against Boston. And, um, you know, it was the first game in a while where you don't see him complain to the refs after every play and getting himself distracted. He was focused, and that got us. That was a big reason why we we got the win. I, I had no issues with him telling the fans, you know, giving them the thumbs down, and later saying in a post game conference that he he meant to tell us to, to you know to shut the fuck up we'll be like yes do it tell us to tell us that we don't care we're in new york yes sir you know yes I mean? sir i will shut up <laughs> but no, Make i mean us. i feel you know? similarly as you my whole thing is like i didn't give a shit you know like yeah. at the end of the day like we as as fans we are the consumer not to get really just detached from the whole sports kind of uh um, situation but we are the consumers and we're looking at if you look at it as a business we pay for those tickets. We pay for the merch. We're allowed to either cheer or boo. And as as like the TNT guys, uh, Chuck, Kenny, and Shaq were saying, like, yo, you are the man. The heavy is the head that wears the crown in New York City. You are the man. You re-up with us. And as fans, why do you, this is, I'm paraphrasing Chuck, but why do you as a as an athlete expect to be cheered when you're playing bad or putting in bad effort? You know what I mean? And like, yeah, they may do that in like bumblefuck like Wisconsin or like Indiana. You get like the, the golf clap when you're down and like, you know, the, the team will rally because they're they're hick fans that are, you know, giving them the emotional support. But no, this is New York. New York, Philly is, is different. It's a different cloth. And not that I'm saying we're embracing being assholes, but like it's not like we, as long as like the fans don't cross that line of personal or like flagrant shit, you know what I mean? Booing is booing, you know, and if that... If that drives Julius to really, you know, amp himself up or, you know, see us as like, you know, use some of that mama mentality and see us as like his personal, like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, of his personal um, rival, then fuck it, you know? Because at the Do end it. of the day, we, uh, to be honest, like the Knicks fans, 
basically bullied him into the season he had last year. Just the way he was getting shit on, called Beyblade, you know what I mean? Um, people clowning his spin moves. And he called it out in the Players' Tribune article last year where, you know, New York, blah, blah, blah. You know, I wasn't myself. My son was disappointed. And then, you know, for him to come out and say STFU to us, to us his fan base, I didn't care. And I also thought it was made too much of a thing just because that's how the New York media works. They're going to, like, latch on to any source of drama. I feel like Mark Berman, this man has been, you know, chomping at the bit for any kind of bullshit story to, like, gas up as far as controversy, and he got it, right? So mm -hmm. I already know Dolan, like, probably, like, pulled Julie's aside. Like, you know, you need to put out an apology, yada, yada, yada. And now that that apology, quote-unquote, was put out, I just hope we can just move past it. And I just want these players, at least Knicks players, to, like, realize that, like, we're booing because we have high expectations because the the fans have belief in you. You know what I mean. And if you're coming on and we're getting like ran off the floor on our court on national TV by 20, 25 points, why would we cheer? You know what I mean. You're gonna get booed. And I think you know. I just want to hit on the fact that like you know Julius got a lot of those mellow comps. Mello, say what you will, he handled the New York media and the pressure like a G. I think he only really slipped up once, like back in 2016. It was like a situation where Dolan made him apologize too. That's about it, you know what I mean? Like, Mello was a pro's pro, and he knew that, like, exactly as Shaq said, heavy is the crown, the, heavy is the head that wears the crown, you know? So that's my take on the situation. Yeah. I just hope we could just move past it, because I thought it was a big, you know, much ado about nothing. Yeah, and like you said, he... I, I like to think that he embodies that Mamba mentality when needed. He did it often last season. And just like the way Kobe, the late Kobe, Brian, and Michael Jordan had to do, they needed to find an enemy to create in their own heads to get them amped up and play exactly. as hard as they could. And if, if we need to be that enemy for Julius, for him to you know put in the work, so be it. Make us your enemy and then fucking do, do what yeah, you got to do. I mean, we court. bullied Fournier into having a, a great yeah. game because you saw like it was after the Indiana game. Where I think the Knicks Twitter account posted like a like a highlight video of Fournier, you know what I mean, uh, about his numbers against Boston, and then he went off against Boston. But like under each under that tweet was just people just being like shitting all over Fournier. If that's our team's motto, like yo, just shut the fuck up. That's the official twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two Knicks motto. I'm with it because as mm -hmm. Sim said on nothing but Knicks, uh, nothing but Knicks, the YouTube channel. Shout out to our NBK fam. He was just like, you know, RJ said shut the fuck up to a fan. I think that was an away yep. game. Um, we see just saw Julius do it. If that's if that's what it is, then fuck it. You know, we're New Yorkers at the end of the day. Like, <laughs> we don't got virgin ears. You know what I mean? We're like the, the the f word or the 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 vulgarity is gonna have me clutch my pearls and just go write a letter to my congressman. Like, nah, fuck out of here. <laughs> it is what it is. Like, you got your apology. The 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 people that were clutching their pearls actually, the people that are literally I saw on the timeline just get pissed at Julius. I'm just like, come on now. Like, get the fuck out of here. Personally. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what the fuck kind of Tipper Gore-ass shit is that? You know who Tipper Gore is, right? The bitch that was Al Gore's mm -hmm. wife that fucking made sure that all rap albums had the explicit content on it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. like, get the fuck out of here with this fucking <laughs> middle-aged white woman shit where you're just, like, appalled by Julius cursing at a press conference. I'm just, <laughs> let's just get past it and focus on, on hoop. You know what I mean? Yep. With that being said, now could we talk about last night's bullshit of a game? Let me throw it to you, brother. What's going on? What what happened last night? Diagnose our problems. I mean, uh, like I said at the start of the episode, the, the theme of this one is is inconsistency, and if anything, you know, showcases it. It's the it's the home to home game with with Boston, um, and with Boston at at home, the Knicks lost by twenty some points after a game winning buzzer beater, and you know there are a lot of reasons where you can 
look at or point at for why the Knicks lost. And a lot of people are going to point to the guy that we've just been talking about, Julius Randle, as a reason for why the Knicks lost. Uh, he, you know, went in, scored only 13 points, 6 of 19. That's about 32%. Had 12 rebounds, 6 assists, and 6 turnovers. So, you know, that's, that's all on paper. But if you were to watch the game, there are a ton of moments you can point at and look at where it just looks like he – He's low energy, not jumping for rebounds, not putting enough pressure on the defense and or on the offense, and um, just not being productive on court. And it was disappointing to see as a guy who put who was on, in the game for a majority of the minutes until you know the garbage minutes. He played almost every every minute of that game, along with RJ and uh, IQ. You know, thirty seven minutes is not a short period of time. So a lot of people are going to give flack to Julius Randle. I, I think the the one person who should be getting more blame than Randall for this L is Tibbs, honestly. Yeah. You know, I, lo- I love yeah. Tibbs. I, I appreciate the work that he's done to turn this franchise around, but I don't think there's any excuse for why Randall, who, you know, I put this tweet out, he, he came back from COVID January mm-hmm. 4th, and this game was January 8th, and this is his third game back, and he's played about 40 minutes in every single one of these games. This is the third game, and, you know, I, I don't know, you 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 didn't experience COVID. I did, and it's not easy to come back. Um, and you know, and these guys are professional athletes, but he didn't have time to condition himself after coming yeah. back and getting ready to be on court ready. He's logging in these minutes. No mortal person. I know Randall's built like Thanos, but no mortal person is able to play all these minutes and play consistent consistently well. And there's no excuse for why in this game Randall is playing about 38 minutes, and in a game where we need a high-energy, fast-paced offense, Obi Toppin's playing nine minutes, and a couple of those were at the end. Uh, after the first half, Obi only played five minutes, and Randall played about 35 minutes. It it made it made no sense to me, and it just it, it makes Tibbs not look like he's paying attention to the rotation. And again, this guy's going to know way more basketball than I will ever in my life, but the rotations didn't make sense. I understand IQ and Alec Burks were, two, were the two starters, when they're usually coming off the bench, but Obi is also that guy who comes off the bench and usually plays yeah. minutes. And he played 45 minutes two games ago. Why is he playing nine minutes this game? It just that kind of play, that kind of coaching style can really fuck with a young player. We saw that happen yeah. with Knox, but Knox is different. Obi, you know, has showcased showcased a ton of confidence this season, but you you don't want to fuck with that, especially in his second season. You want to keep the minutes consistent, let him get encore experience, and let him you know, quicken the pace of the game. The The game was so slow. Both Boston and New York are slow-ass teams on the court, and Obi would have made a difference. But for some reason or another, Randall was, you know, logging all these minutes, you know. So yeah. I'm going to throw it back to you. What are, your, what are your quick thoughts? Yeah, I wanted to chime in there just because, like, I, I dig people that are saying Julius is one of the problems. There's many problems with the, with this team. It's not just, like, one sole, like, you know, source of, you know, negativity here. It's – many symptoms to what, what's ailing us right now as a, as a team and yeah I, I feel the people that are frustrated with Tibbs to an extent at the end of the day I feel like what drives kind of you know the people are rightfully calling out the double standard he has with Julius versus the young players like in terms of accountability in terms of like effort you know if the, the young players mess up on defense or show like some even just a hint of lack of da- lackadaisical energy they get benched you know what I mean with Julius, we've seen that like he gets much more rope to you know be out there, and that I think that ties back to the fact that Tibbs, you know, he called it on himself. Julius is his engine, and I feel like that's where the you know, the basketball politics come into play. He's our quote unquote all star. He's our big big money guy, and Tibbs wants to protect his his star quote unquote protects his ego, 
and it sucks seeing it as a fan because obviously you want to see something much more you know a, a more of a holistic kind of management of the team we're like okay i don't care what your salary range is if you're not bringing that effort if you're not bringing the consistency or even just that attention to detail you're gonna get benched but we operate in reality so i don't think i think tips no matter what even just going back to benching kemba which we all you know hindsight is 2020 or whatever the fuck you want to say everybody thinks it was a dumb decision now but at the time we all generally thought you know this was the right move and a move that we all didn't think would happen because of the politics at play and i feel like that move was made to accommodate julius because julius was having a struggle fitting in with kemba um and allowing himself to like you know give up some of that offensive burden and i feel like tibbs that's that's the basic rule here no matter what is happening with the roster right now tibbs is trying to protect or be quote unquote be a meat shield for Julius, you know what I mean? So I think it it all goes hand in hand. Julius's inconsistency and Tibbs rotations, it's all like one and the same almost. And I feel like with Tibbs you can obviously complain about like, you know, the OB minute situation last night. But then I did also feel like he's he's fucking up in that like why hasn't Evan really been, you know, benched or even just moved to the like lineup and it's ob- the obvious reason is the political optic like what the optics will say you know he's we gave him a big money contract he was our this front this front office's bit first big uh free agent haul you know what i mean i feel like that's partially driving why tibbs hasn't moved him to the bench yet you know because i do think evan can thrive in that kind of way because when you watch that game against boston he was being used a little more differently he was getting the ball more at the top of the key as opposed to just straight up being in the corner like he is a one on a one of one reggie bullock swap you know he he isn't that guy he has more diversity to his game and i clown the fact that sometimes when he dribbles it looks like he's dribbling on a treadmill where he's not going nowhere but he does have a handle and he does have a bit of playmaking chops i feel like we saw a little bit in that game of him getting you know the ball in in areas with more space you know what i mean so he could have pull up for the shot or at least you know attack more aggressively and i feel like if you move to move into the bench he could be that guy that like handles the ball and is the main creator off the bench we go with you know iq burks rj julius mitch at the starting five Fournier to the bench rose comes back boom you got your two engines off the bench that'll help ob you know get his numbers off the bench as well and i guess the complicating situation is obviously what's going on with kemba um so i mean, I mean before i throw it back to you what's your take on just you know kind of my estimation of the Tibbs Julius uh, uh, situation. I no, I I get what you're saying. There's a lot of optics and politics involved with it. But before before I mention that, I, I'm curious on your thoughts for at least last night's game and Obi's minutes for it. I don't know. If no, I mean really... I feel like I just hit on that. Yeah, I mean just hit on the minutes and stuff. So I just wanted to see what you think about that. Just like because I think it all ties back to that. Why shouldn't Obi be getting more than nine minutes in this game when? Julius is clearly gassed out. I, I I think that comes down to exactly what I just said. I think Tibbs is like gonna ride with his guy. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if this is a situation where, if this we're looking at it just straight up as the players on 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 the on the on the sheet on the name on the roster, you know, in a situation where Julius is coming with low effort, Obi will get more minutes than him in that kind of game. But that's we're not in that situation. We're looking at it where Tibbs is is a coach of a team where we have an all-star and all-NBA guy who just got paid. He's being, you know, touted as the franchise player now, the guy that quote-unquote brought us back last year. He's got to operate within that context. So, yeah, I would love to see, you know, a merit-based situation or a meritocracy where 
if Julius's minutes aren't, you know, reflecting his pay scale, Obi will get more. But I also feel like that ties back to the idea I have in my head that, like, Tibbs is just trying to protect Julius because that's his engine, his guy. So every move he makes, so on and so forth, it's going to be tied to making sure Julius looks better or, like, he's protecting Julius. And I think part of that is why Julius likes Tibbs, you know, or, like, why a player would be fond of somebody like Tibbs because he is a player's coach in, in one way or another. Maybe not what you ide- like what the ideal player's coach would be, but that's just my take. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying. I, I think it comes, you know, predicating on the idea that Obi can only play on the court if Randall is not on the court. So I was just looking at the minutes to see how the centers were playing last night and I, I understand what you're saying. It's not like Obi could have came into the court while Randall was still there and played in because Mitchell Robinson played almost 30 minutes and only committed mm. one foul. You know, like yeah. that's that's unprecedented. And Todd Gibson, you know, he didn't really do much on the court last night. He logged in almost 20 minutes, played, you know, twice as many minutes as Obi. And some people may point to Quinn and Grimes who played, you know, almost 28 minutes, but he's not the same. He's not the same position as Obi. So I guess for Obi to come into the court, it had to be in the four and the five, but because the five was playing well and the four is taken over by Julius Randle and the politics and just being a star player. I mean, that even is, goes to not even, not to interject to like that, but just that all even goes to just like kind of the issue with who Tibbs is as a coach, what his profile mm-hmm. is. He is going to be that rigid kind of almost traditional kind of guy where he wants his big man to be the rim protector no matter what, the rim protector slash rebounder. But say we had somebody like Spolster, a coach in this roster, or Nick Nurse, not a doubt in my mind, we would have seen way more minutes of Opie and Randall together. Because even just the advanced numbers, when you look at them, those kind of lineups, they kill it, bro. But Tibbs isn't comfortable with that. And that, if you want to bring up a valid point against Tibbs, uh, as far as, you know, a knock on him as a coach, it's that, you know. He's not going to be the one that innovates for the sake of innovation and, you know, looks at the numbers and says, like, all right, this lineup is, is cooking with gas. I'm going to go with it. Because he still has his own personal biases as far as what he expects in terms of his lineups. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. likes having a score for his point guard. He likes having rangy wings that defend and can create if needed. And he likes having that engine he builds around. You know, we saw it in Chicago. He had first D-Rose and then he had Jimmy when he turned the keys over to Jimmy. Now, you know, Julius is his engine, you know, and it's about, like, the permutations that come afterwards and i don't know bro like if if we were looking at like tibbs just straight up as far as him coaching the season it's not a good performance but we have to consider the fact he brought it back to relevancy and cleaned up our reputation last year just with the coaching job he did it almost feels like i'm I'm almost leaning towards the kind of mentality i see a lot of fans have tibbs is the coach that's going to get us right get our reputation right that's going to kind of get us back on track but that he's not going to be the coach that's going to take us to that next upper plateau or upper level. You know what I mean? He's not the Steve Kerr in this situation. He's kind of like our Mark Jackson. And I feel like if you look at it that way now, a lot of the frustration will kind of subside because I'm almost of the opinion that, yeah, 19 and 21, it sucks. Disappointing. I expect the 50 wins. But also, big picture-wise, I'm not to like, not to throw too much bail towards Tibbs with the Leon Rose front office, but... I feel like we're on in a good space in the grand scheme of things and we're still in that you know rebuilding situation where not only are we rebuilding the roster but also rebuilding our rep as far as a franchise you know so one good year doesn't change a reputation you got to have multiple years and I think right now we're seeing the the bumps in the road you know so that's just my long ramble let me throw it back to you yeah no I I think the points that you're making is very good I think it's disappointing to hear 
Tibbs and Mark Jackson being put in the same kind of comparison yeah. or same line. It you know, killed you, me to say it, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you're, you know, I don't see a tear falling out of your eye as you're saying it. But, you know, I'm looking at that third quarter and it, it sucks to see that there are three players playing the full quarter. And it's just, it's not, such, it's not supposed to be that common for a player to play a whole quarter, but it's becoming more and more commonplace for, for Tibbs and RJ, Randall, and IQ, three stars playing the entire third quarter, just. That that's usually a quarter where you you highlight the bench and um, yeah. I know there are six players out last night but th- that's the time when you can reduce the minutes and I get Randall should be getting majority of the minutes of the game but when when a guy is averaging close to forty minutes a game that's and he led the league last season in minutes per game as did RJ you know these things start to take a toll and we're seeing it now I mean he was one for eight last night in total and in the third quarter. They scored a total of 18 points as a unit, and most of which came from RJ, who scored seven points, and and quickly who scored six points. But Randall was a you know only scored two points and was one of six, and did not get you know was just just not that great in that quarter. And I don't know. I I, I hear what you're saying, and I I know you're you and I are on the same page as far as where Tibbs is overall. Um, and it looks like it's coming back to that point that was made when Tibbs was looking, you know, was being seeked as a hire for that Knicks front, you know, front office head job, head coaching job, where he uh, is so stubborn with the minutes that he distributes his star players and just not um, adjusting his rotations at the time when it's needed. And we're kind of seeing that front and center right now. Um, granted, a lot yeah. of his star players weren't there, but he's leaning way too heavily on his guys. In, in a COVID period of time, just to me, just wasn't the right move. But I understand yeah. the politics behind it, you know. I mean, you would hate to say that, like, obviously as a fan, you want you want exactly, you want that ideal meritocracy where, like, minutes are earned, minutes are given, but this is sports is a business, folks, so we got to look at it in that context. As, and I'm not saying I'm making excuses for the man. Tip has not been, has not been the kind of, good coach we wanted he was a co- he hasn't been coach of the year uh caliber this season i think that's fair to say mm-hmm. it's fair to be frustrated with him but i'm also not one of those people that's going to be reactionary and say fire tips we're not going to fire the one guy that like after all the yeah. bullshit coaches we <laughs> yeah. had you know what i mean like let's just get our expectations in check and we'll see because right now it's about seeing you know say we have everybody back healthy out of out of protocols everybody's healthy now can we go back and revisit the idea that do we have the answer on this on this roster do we have like a a list of 10 guys on the team where if Tibbs pushes the right buttons if Tibbs kind of puts out the right lineups out there and the right rotational patterns are we good enough to get back on track or do you see the answer being you know something external aka a trade like what's your thoughts on that before I guess we close it out and start talking about the schedule up ahead but just wanted to hit on that real quick before we made that pivot yeah I mean I I'm more along the lines of we don't need to seek out a home run trade right now. I think a home run trade is yet to come. And a guy that I'm looking at is Donovan Mitchell in the, in the future, near future, hopefully. Mm. But right now, there's no there's no home run trade that the Knicks should or could make that that's reasonable and is going to get us to a point where we're going to be a, a top three team in the East, especially not this year. We're lucky enough to be... As a Knicks fan for this many years, I still consider myself lucky that we're seeing a team that's close enough to 500 because that's something we, <laughs> we never see. It. And we were in this position last season, and it was a whole celebration. We could have thrown a party for the time the Knicks 
got over 500 and we're only no, couple- there was a celebration outside of msg <laughs> you're right you're right that was the first side talk video that came out yeah, it yeah. was it was dope and you know with the stretch that the knicks have right now where a lot of the games are at home and i know this season the knicks have not been good at home you'd hope that you know once these players start getting healthier and they should be getting healthier because you know once you get COVID, you're not going to get it for at least a couple more months you know so we're, we're we can't expect any more players going out for COVID. and we haven't seen nerlens noel who was a important player last season really play consistently this season i don't know what's going with him but once at least a couple of the players between noel kemba and rose you know sooner or later fournier if we get at least two of those players back consistently out of those four then we should be seeing more consistent play and, and a more even distribution of minutes. Is That's what I'm hoping for. But, you know, we're not in a position right now where we're out of the playoffs, and that's that's a positive note. Nah, nah, I'm not yeah. taking any moral victories away, but we were in this position last season. Um, and we yeah. would have been psyched last season if we were playing like this um, and we were 19-21. and 21. It's, it's only been a year. We have most of the same roster, and we're, we're Knicks fans. We got to we gotta take what we can get and just expect and hope that they're going to adjust themselves. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with a couple of small uh, trades here and there, but I don't think now's the time for any major trades and certainly not the time to fire Tibbs or make or blow up the entire team and let the kids play, quote-unquote, mm. by giving up Randall and everyone else. It, that, that doesn't make sense. You need an even blend of veterans and – and uh you know young players and that's what we saw especially during the COVID protocols and we were out and all the vets were out and we only had the young kids playing we didn't we didn't we weren't winning games you need that even blend um but it's up to Tibbs right now just to make it uh make the minute distribution better and better for his own veterans before they get gassed out um now is as good as a time as any to get on that all-star break I'm sure they're all looking forward to it bro yeah yeah I mean, I feel you on that. It just seems like, shout out to uh, Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. He just put out an article a couple of days ago hitting on what the current thinking is around the league as far as what the our front office is going to do with the Knicks. And it seems like it's along the same lines of what you just said. It's going to be more so moves around the margins and on the edge in terms of uh, any kind of trades we see. So, you know, I'm I'm sure that's, that's probably what it is. We're probably not going to see a big move. I feel like... Everybody last season expected a big move from Leon when it seemed like we were, oh, shit, we're suddenly in the playoff race. Let's see what we do. And then we stood pat, I think. I think the only trade no, we, we got Rose. Shipping we got Derrick Rose, which was supposed no, that to be was a, a minor trade move. Deadline, though. That, that was a no, 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 but that was a trade deadline, though. I'm talking about at the trade deadline when we, was, we were firmly in the playoffs. We didn't mm-hmm. make a move other than, like, shipping Austin Rivers and Iggy Brasdikas out. Okay. You know what I mean? And, like, the D-Rose move itself, that was exactly what we just kind of touched on, like, uh, along the margins, kind of minor – we traded DSJ in a second-round pick, you know what I mean? So I'm thinking maybe we have another quiet, you know, trade deadline, trade deadline rather. But and there's one name we haven't hit on. We talked about Miles Turner. We talked about De'Aaron Fox. And this ties back to a recent move we made. So um, let's let's hit on that. We actually had a trade. We haven't had a chance to talk about it, but we did make the trade for Denzel Valentine. Thankfully, we waived his scrub ass. <laughs> and we got rights to two international players and like a million dollars. And... I think that trade was, it comes down to being a favor for a favor. Leon just did the Lakers uh, a good deed. And maybe, you know, hey, we just scratch your back, you scratch our back down the line. You know what I mean? We just saved you some luxury tax money. But within that deal, like I just said, we got two international players. One of them happens to be an Australian 36-year-old point guard that, one, has played with Ben Simmons um, on Australian national team for a number of years. And two, was one of Leon Rose's first clients uh, years ago. So he's got that that relationship, and 
you know, the conspiracy theory-minded Knicks fans on Twitter called this out, but could this be possibly a maybe even a hint towards a Ben Simmons move down the line, um, a, a framework of a Julius for Ben Simmons kind of deal? Let's say that's what it is. I'm not going to touch on what you think the package is going to be, but let's say that, in essence, that's one of the, that's the deal. You know what I mean? Simmons for Julius. Before we close this episode out, I just want to get your thoughts. Is that something you're interested in, intrigued by? Well, first off, shout out to Leon Rose because that was a hella business savvy move because the Knicks themselves, you know, saved a million dollars as well while helping the Lakers save, uh, you know, from from the luxury tax. And it'll help. It'll help them out in a future trade. I think uh, I'm hoping, you know, if the Knicks were to make a big trade, then they can try to loop in the Lakers to help them out to facilitate. It's probably going to be like a four or five team trade in the future for a big star is, you know, kind of what we're hoping for. But as far as Ben Simmons goes, I mean, between you and me, I, I don't I don't want to see him in a Knicks uniform because can you imagine <laughs> what he would do once the Knicks fans boo him for a performance? I mean, he couldn't handle it in Philadelphia, <laughs> and we, we're not that different. We're If anything, we're, we're harsher on our players in Philly, and Philly's tough mm. on their players. That man would not be able to handle it at all in New York. So I, as great of a player, and he's not good, he's great. As great of a player as Ben Simmons is, he's not going to be able to handle it in New York the way Randall's is able to handle it to the extent that, you know, we've seen Ben is not going to be able to do it. And, you know, whether or not I agree with the conspiracy theory, I don't think, a, I don't think Ben Simmons has ever not been interested in New York. I think it's more so of what, you know, the, the Sixers front office would want in return. And I don't think New York is yeah. going to offer it. So I don't, it, if, if Ben were a free agent, then yeah, I, I would say, you know, there's more, I put more stock in the, in the trade and to try to gauge his interest, but he's not a free agent. He's he would need to be traded. So I don't think, you know, the the Sixers front office, um, Daryl Moore gives a shit about you know what we what we have and what we don't have, you know. All right, yeah, I just want to get your get your thoughts on that. But um, all right, next next game, who we got? Uh, I think we're ready to close it out. So I guess we could just hit on who we got next coming up as far yeah. as the prediction. And I think Knicks playing the Spurs tomorrow, Spurs. Uh, January tenth. Okay. They play in the Spurs. Last time the, the Knicks played the Spurs, RJ dropped seven threes and mm. had that uh, career game. So you'd hope that he'd be able to carry carry that over, and the Knicks are playing at home. So a return to MSG, you'd hope that the Knicks are able to carry the momentum from the last MSG game with Boston and uh, you know bring in that W. The next string of games for the Knicks, they play the Spurs, followed by the Mavs and the Hawks, Hornets, Wolves, and Pelicans. So... A lot of these games are going to be at home. So this is really a stretch where the Knicks should try to take as, as full of an advantage as they could and get as many Ws and try to, you know, maybe even get to the sixth seed or fifth seed. They're not that many games away. They're only a couple of games from, from that, you know, yeah, that position in the East. Definitely we at the softer part of our schedule right now before it really kicks up, uh, I think, after, like, the end of this month. So we got to capitalize, man. Hopefully we start with another W against the Spurs. I think – um. Something about the Spurs that get RJ that gets RJ going. So hopefully, you know, he has another good performance because I did like the fact that especially since 2022, you know, started, he's been looking a lot better production-wise and also usage-wise. He's driving a lot more, and yeah, it sucks seeing him get like sunned by Robert Williams mad times. Yeah, but that's part trying. of like the growth. Yeah, and that's part of the growth as a young player. He went, he tested his limits, he fucked up, and you learn from fuck-ups, you know what I mean? And you know what he did? He started passing it out when he would draw the attention inside more. And, you know, I just want to call out the R.J. Barrett doubters. We keeping them receipts, I'm telling you. Because people, 
I just want to just make this clear. Like, we all hold our players accountable as fans, but RJ is 21 years old. That's not an excuse. That's not nothing, but that's literally a fact of the matter that, like, you, it doesn't make sense to hold him to the same standard as our, as our, you know, $100 million all-star slash all-NBA player. So if there's that divide of Julius versus RJ, there shouldn't be. You know what I mean? We're holding everybody on the roster accountable, and RJ needs to be better. But inconsistency is the consistent part of being a young player in the league. Unless you're a transcendent talent like Luka or someone like Trey Young or a young LeBron, you know what I mean? These play, a player like RJ is going to take time for him to develop into that consistent all-star level or even great player kind of level player. So I just want to, you know, close out another episode with an impassioned defense of our son. <laughs> because he don't deserve half the fucking, like, bullshit he gets thrown his way. Um, but yeah. Happy 2022, everyone, and uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, until next time, uh, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show, especially in the coming weeks. We've got something special coming up, uh, so just stay tuned for that. Until next time, take care, everyone. Peace. Peace.